This episode of the Man Cave Chronicles podcast is brought to you in part by iFoyer.com, homepage for the wise. iFoyer is a simple homepage to the best of the internet. Links, categories, no ads. Now more than ever, you deserve some sanity on the web. iFoyer is optimized for desktop computers, laptops, and tablets. Are you wise? Great Scott! Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh yeah! Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. The Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's show. This week I have actor Rich Ting. Rich, how you doing? Great, yourself? Good, good. Uh, what's uh, new on your end? Um, not much. 2018 has, uh, has I've hit the ground running so far. I can't believe it's uh, already uh, almost the end of January here. But I uh, c- couldn't be happier with what my team in L.A., and myself uh, accomplished late last year that has now been feeding into the early 2018. Yeah. What? Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you were doing last year. Um, last year, I was back in the U.S. I tend to book a lot of projects overseas in Asia, most recently South Korea. Uh, luckily, last year, I, was, I, was, I stayed in the States, um, filmed, the Paramount Network series Waco, which just premiered this past Tuesday, and uh, concluded the year uh, booking HBO Cinemax's new show for 2018 called Warrior. So, uh, oh, and I also forgot, I booked a recurring on NCIS LA. So nice. that was started towards the end of 2017 and actually just finished up a week back on the show in LA. All right. Um... We're gonna to get to to those part of uh, your career also, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, where you're from. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Went to high school in San Francisco, and decided to go to college in the warm tri-state area of Connecticut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's warm today. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, I, I, my time in Connecticut trained me well. For, for many winners to come in the industry. So I'm thankful for that, obviously, along with the education I received at Yale University. But um, predominantly a West Coast kid, had my fun in the snow and the hot humidity of uh, New England when I was in college and was able to come back to the California on the West Coast as well as venture off to Hawaii where I had family over there. And that's always, always been a second home for me. And uh, ended up back in Hollywood around 2007 did you uh, enjoy your time at uh, in connecticut or at yale oh my oh it was uh it was by far one of the best experiences of my life so far and, and i've had a lot recently just due to the entertainment world but you know coming from an inner city san francisco high school to new haven connecticut to an ivy league school um obviously yale the name says it all but i, I was privileged to have the opportunity to not only attend attend Yale and Ivy League school but also play football and win an Ivy League championship in 1999 so besides the food the people uh everything was a was a plus I truly enjoyed my time um in Connecticut as it was very close to both Boston and New York so I was able to spend a, all my free time traveling between those two cities as well uh but definitely I realized how spoiled I was growing up 
the majority of my life in the California weather. Yeah. So, how to say the very you know to say the least, it was great. Yeah. How was it? Uh, I'm a huge football fan, so I, I want to know like, uh, how was it playing football for an Ivy League school like Yale? It was it was great. Um, I was recruited to a lot of Pac-10 schools at the time out of high school and was offered by Stanford. And I always told myself I wouldn't go east of UCLA (laughs) (laughs) to play football. And obviously my senior year, actually more towards the end of my junior year, uh, the Ivy League schools started calling, coaches started coming out, and I made all my recruiting trips to the the Northeast. And it, it was... It was it was it was great. I mean, there's 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 a lot of people that told me, you know, you're gonna you're gonna take a step down from the Pac-10 to go to an Ivy League school to play in the Ivy League football uh, association, so to speak. And and you know what? I, I didn't feel that way at all. Um, obviously, the education speaks for itself, but the talent that ends up going to the Ivy Leagues, especially in the football spectrum, is just it, it, it's it's as good as Division One football anywhere else in the country, and you know from from the coaching staffs to the to how they recruit to the actual players that go there. Um, it's just it's quite remarkable to be in a huddle where all your teammates are valedictorians, yeah. and they were all top kids at the school. I mean that's what was really unique and and weird at the time. And as I get older, you know I start to appreciate that camaraderie and that and that team and that team feeling that that existed you know at, at Yale you know which I think is very rare throughout the other throughout the other teams in the, in the country yeah and you went to Yale to study law and business what made you go from like that into all of a sudden I'm gonna go be an actor well it kind of started first my dad is a doctor so I, I didn't go to Yale with that mentality yeah. I went to Yale with I'm gonna play football and I'm gonna take these pre-med requirements and then I'll figure out what I want to major in his, you know, obviously ventured off into the history humanities major, but you know, the story I tell all my friends and family back home is, you know, coming, you know, at the age of 18, leaving, leaving San Francisco, going to an Ivy league school and then meeting your fellow classmates and teammates who, who basically had their whole careers planned out in their head mentally. You know, I remember I was meeting my roommate freshman year and, and other people in my class and they had told me, Oh, we had prep, in high school so that I would either go to Yale or Harvard or Princeton. And now that I'm at Yale, the first summer after my freshman year, I want to work at this investment bank. And then by the second summer and third summer, and they just had everything mapped out, you know, and it was, it was a little overwhelming for me. I I, I didn't actually know what I was going to major. And so I literally took it semester by semester, you know, fulfilling the requirements for Yale to graduate, obviously, and then to really see what would grab my attention. And that's kind of the overall mentality I've had with my life, you know, as a whole, in the sense where I always wanted to find something that was going to wake me up in the morning, that was going to get me out of bed, regardless, rain, snow, whatever. I was going to be motivated to get up and get out. And I couldn't really find that. Obviously, like you mentioned, I ventured into law and business after doing all my pre-med requirements. I just felt the medicine world wouldn't do that for me later in life. I was very curious about law and with the joint JD MBA program, I said, why not kill two birds with one stone? So went to law school and business school for the education. Never really had a mentality to become a corporate lawyer or to be a, yeah. you know, to be a prosecutor or a DA, but just more about the, just the knowledge really stimulated me to pursue the graduate school, so to speak. Um, 
as a kid, the dream was play Division One college football. The second dream, which I thought was just a dream, was to be a Hollywood actor, be an Asian-American leading man. Growing up, I watched Bruce Lee like a lot of the other kids did yeah. around the world and was motivated. And I tell people I, I watched Bruce Lee and I was exposed to him at the age of three because by the time I was four years old is when I actually started martial arts training. Why did I start? Because of Bruce Lee. So that was my first kind of first kind of moment in my life where I was intrigued with a Hollywood quote-unquote action star. However, being on these various athletic teams, football, basketball, baseball, ran track and field in high school as well, you know, I encountered, you know, I was always the only Asian kid on the team, so to speak. And all my other teammates and even classmates had heroes or people in the industry that they looked up to. They went to a movie, they saw this person, and whether it was an ethnic or racial connection that they had, they always had someone in the mass media that they could relate to. For me, in the beginning, it was Bruce Lee. But then, being a fourth-generation Asian-American, Bruce Lee was Chinese. And he played that character of being a Chinese guy from China coming into the States or whatever. English was a second language. English for me was the first, was my first language. My parents only spoke English. My grandparents were born in the States. So for me, where was this Asian American leading man character? And I couldn't find him on TV as, as, as a cop or a firefighter or, or, or a dad or a boyfriend or a love interest. They, they, it, the character never existed. So Throughout my entire life, I always had this thing in the back of my head saying, well, what if I could be that first Asian-American leading man? What if I could go into the industry somehow, some way, and have an impact on some kid like myself who was looking to Hollywood or the mass media for someone that they could relate to? You know, so all this was kept playing in my head as I, you know, went to college to play football, as I went to grad school, as I worked, and... You know, the universe works in mysterious ways, man. And before I knew it, I came back to Los Angeles in 2007 to take a job at a law firm in downtown L.A. And at the same time, Warner Brothers reached out and the rest is history. Yeah. I'm sure it was like like a big relief for you when you got that phone call. You know what? It was a relief for me when I decided... I'm going to make this transition into the entertainment business because at that time I got the call and I still didn't really know what that meant. You know what I mean? It was like, Hey, come play with us on set for a couple of weeks and we'll pay you, yeah. you know? And I was like, cool. But I didn't really understand what I was beginning and what that meant. And so maybe a few months later, you know, once I became a SAG member and, and the other jobs started coming up and I really was like, wow, you know, I, I'm doing this for real. Like the dream has started to become somewhat of a reality, you know, and that's, that's what really impacted me then. Yeah. What, um, so you said, you know, the big pursue in acting was, you know, from, you wanted to be the, the Asian, the number one Asian guy pretty much in the U S right. I mean, that's the dream. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're four years old, and you want to be a football player on TV, and then you want to be an action star on TV as well, that's the dream, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, fortunately for, for, for the Asian-American community in Hollywood, you know, there's been so many guys that have broken through, you know, ahead of me that have just paved the path for me to, to, for me to, for, to continue fulfilling my dream, you know? So yeah. um, 
but yeah, that was the dream. Yeah. Who like who are like some of your other influences in the acting world? Well, two guys that come that come you know, right on top of my head are, are one, is one Don Cheadle. I've respected this guy since day one. He has a tremendous academic background as well, and and the characters that he's played are, are phenomenal. I love his range, and and that's something I've focused on more throughout the years of my maturity as an actor in the business. You know, every, everyone loves Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Everyone loves yeah. Vin Diesel. You know, these guys are great. They're great at what they do. The professionals. You know, I've been drawn more towards the creativity side and relating to people like like Michael Pena, for example. I've followed Michael Pena since his days on Next Friday with Ice Cube, Plancholo. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here's Michael Pena, you know, highly, highly gifted and skilled and acclaimed actor. And I remember him playing a stereotypical Mexican Cholo in Next Friday. You know, now you go to the movie theaters, he's in Martian, he's in, he's in movies with Mark Wahlberg, you know, he was in Traffic, I believe, like, he's just, mm. his, his range is so crazy, and his, his vastness of characters that he's able to portray and bring to the camera, like, I, I, I appreciate it, I love it, and most importantly, I respect it, you know, and so it's people like Don Cheadle, Michael Pinion, that I really look at, and, and I see more of their training and what they do behind the scenes and, you know, behind, you know, not when they're not in front of the camera that I, I, I really appreciate. Yeah. Now, uh, I read online, you know, you've done also a stunts in movies. Yes. That was uh, my introduction to, to the business, to say the least. Yeah. I, um, go ahead. No, how did that go? It went well. It went very well. Yeah. Um, I was, quote unquote thrown into the fire you know in 2007 uh, i have i have a cousin and, and two uncles that are big stunt coordinators in hollywood and are continuing their success as we speak uh they have obviously kept track of what i was doing with my life the fact that i kept in shape the fact that i kept up my martial arts skills the fact that i continue to work out and keep my athleticism going even after graduating from college and football was done so an opportunity came up where they asked me when I came back to L.A. to take the job at the law firm if I wanted to audition for a role that they needed, that the director was looking to cast. And long story short, I, I did it. I used the stunt world as my introduction to the entertainment industry. Yeah. Um, there's no other way you can get that education, whether it's a workshop or a training in a studio that you get on a live set. You see the interaction between the director and the actors, the stunt coordinator and the director, the producers. You see the crew working. You see the lights, the camera guys, the sound guys. You, you see hundreds of people that are involved with this process that you would never get that education anywhere else but on a live Hollywood set. Yeah. So what I did is I took advantage of the opportunity to not only work in stunts, to learn how to crash, to learn how to fight, to learn how to interact with actors, but to also see what goes on behind the scenes. It was a tremendous educational experience for me. I think it is one of the best ways to enter this crazy entertainment industry that we, that, that we value so much every day because it gives you a really true perspective. Stunt guys, stunt men and women in Hollywood do not get the credit that they deserve. The, they're the first ones on the set. They're the last ones to leave. They're building catchers. They're doing rigging. They're taking the hits 
they're falling off buildings, they're crashing into cars, getting set on fire, you know, for what, a five-second action scene, you know? Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, people go to movies, people watch shows for the action, you know? Yeah, you have your great leads, you have your great, you know, leading actors and whatnot, but, you know, the stunts and the stunt department are what really make the film or show come alive. So not only did I take some huge hits, but more importantly, it was the education that I got from the stunt world and from these great coordinators that I had the privilege of working with that have prepared me for shows that I'm doing, that I'm currently doing, like Warrior and Waco. Yeah. So. Now, um, now that you're getting bigger roles and everything, do you still do your own stunts? Um, <laughs> that's one of the benefits that comes with bigger roles. They provide stunt doubles for you. So yeah. I, I think one of the things that's cool with my situation is that, number one, directors and producers and writers all know of my background. So obviously in today's day of shooting and filming, they, they obviously want to keep the, the real actor in there as much as possible. Um, I carry those skills and those abilities in my back pocket and always tell the director and writers that I'm, I'm always willing to use that any time to make to get the shot to make the shot better to make it more believable and real um so i do do predominantly my own stunts to this day however there have been times where for protective reasons and for contractual reasons that i'm not allowed to do certain things now and they bring yeah. in my stunt double and and those guys do a tremendous job making me look great yeah. <laughs> the man cave chronicles on twitter at the mcc podcast we'll be right back Hey guys, Brian Padone here, founder of Quiet Punch. When I'm not listening to the Man Cave Chronicles, you can catch me filming one of my live workouts on quietpunch.com. Check it out today. That's quietpunch.com. This is Adam Nutter. And this is Greg Trout. And we're Nerds with Words, and you are listening to the BS Podcast Network. So uh, how do you like try to improve your, like, your, uh, your acting skills every day? Fortunately, I, I'm in a great studio in Los Angeles. I have great coaches. When I'm not filming and I'm back in town, I'm in class studying, continuing to perfect this never-ending craft that we call acting. Um, I think it's like anything else. It's consistency. You know, I've, I've always worked out. I've always been active in the gym. You know, I believe I began weight training when I was in junior high school and it's kind of become a part of my lifestyle and, and I parallel my acting training and, and my artistic training to my physical training. You know, it, it's consistency. You know, I, I, I don't all of a sudden go on a crazy diet. I don't all of a sudden start lifting weights hard or upping my cardio. I'm always watching my diet. I'm always doing cardio. I'm always training with weights. I'm always stretching. And that's something that I think allows me to have the flexibility character-wise is that I have this mentality and this foundation already set from a young age. So when it comes to anything in life, like acting, I always have to be doing something every day, training myself, whether it's a scene for class, whether it's a scene for a network show that's coming up in two weeks and I have some off time, I'm going to get together with my coaches and, 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 and train on that, you know, and like right now, perfect example is that I just spent a week back on NCIS LA However, I'm still prepping for episodes two through 10 
on our Cinemax Warrior show that's coming up as well. Yeah. At the same time, I'm looking at scenes for class, so when I do come back from Warrior, I can jump right back into class and, and continue those cra- you know that, that that like I said, the never-ending craft. You know, yeah. and it, it, it's just consistency. You know, and, and that's all I can really stress. It's it's not how much you do or how less you. It's just the fact that you continue to do it, live it, breathe it, and wake up to it every day. So uh, tell us a little bit about the show Warrior. Well, Warrior is based on the writings and ideas of Bruce Lee before he passed away. It's a late 19th century, around 1880s period piece uh, in San Francisco, Chinatown, and involves the focus of the Chinatown Tongs, also known as the Chinatown Gangs, during that time period. Uh, Warrior encompasses uh, a magnitude of different mini-stories within the overall story. It's basically about one individual from China who comes over to San Francisco's Chinatown in search of his sister. Really basic. However, in doing that, he gets caught up with the tongs in Chinatown. His sister is caught up with the tongs in Chinatown. It It encompasses just such an array of stories, including the politics, the racism, the economics and, 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 and the government of San Francisco at that time. Um, I play the character of Bolo, which is based and attributed to the real Bolo Young, who was a close friend of Bruce Lee and also was an Enter the Dragon as well as a well-known movie called Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme later oh, yeah. in his career. Uh, Bruce wrote in a lot of his friends and people that he worked with and he wrote Bolo into the script as Bolo. So it's funny because when I got the call to audition for Bolo, so many things went through my head. Uh, I started laughing, which was the initial response, just because growing up, obviously I watched Bolo and Enter the Dragon. I watched Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. And then I later saw him play Chung Lee and, Bru- and Bloodsport. Yeah. But the personal connection I have with this was that because I played sports and I was working out at an early age. I, I was always the bigger sized Asian kid when compared to other Asian kids. And people like my family and my friends used to tease me and they used to call me Bolo when I was a kid. And, and, and I didn't really like that at the time because I always wanted to be Bruce, you know, but mm-hmm. then I, because of my size and my stature, they, it was Bolo. So then, you know, continuing with the real Bolo's career and then the popularity from Bloodsport, by the time I got to Yale, I was the only Asian American football player there, and and my, and I was big in college. You know, I believe I weighed like 235 pounds in college, and all my teammates would call me Chung Lee, <laughs> and all my friends would call me yeah. Chung Lee. You know, and I was yeah. like, I can't shake this guy from my from my life. Like everywhere I go, this Bolo guy continues to to haunt me in a weird way. So come, you know, 2017, I get the call that HBO Cinemax has greenlit Warrior. And they're calling you in to read for Bolo, you know, and now that I got cast and we've done the pilot and I'm going back and to continue the legacy of Bolo and Bruce Lee's vision of warrior back in the day is just, it's, it's, it's weird for me. It's so ironic and so tremendous and so humbling that, you know, I, I still, I don't think it's really hit me yet to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean to get off topic, but, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, I'm 40 years old. I grew up, you know, in the 80s and, you know, 90s, stuff like that. Like, how great was Bloodsport? No, it was epic. <laughs> epic, epic. I mean, it's funny because I recently rewatched Bloodsport and 
And I just remember, like, you know, with with the technology and the evolution of film and fighting on film and everything, it, it, it's funny now because yeah. there's so many things that I can see that maybe we wouldn't do today in today's Hollywood filming, right? Yeah. But I remember as a kid, I mean, the Jean-Claude Van Damme's, like, his is is notorious doing the splits yeah. you know and and fighting all of those specific characters in that underground kumite fighting arena you know what i mean yeah. like i remember every guy that he fought you know and then and you know what's so funny is people forget that's forrest whitaker yep you know what i mean people forget like that's forrest that's a young forrest man like yeah. that's that that's the craziest thing to me you know and so and then obviously see Bolo in there, you know, as Chung Lee and, you know, his, his, his limited lines, which everyone remembers, you know, and, and Jackson's lines. And, you know, it's, 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 I don't know if there's another film like it, to be honest with you, mm. because no matter if I'm in Asia, the U S and recently I was, you know, I was in South Africa, we did the pilot. I remember like local South African were like coming up to you. They're going, you're playing Bolo Chung Lee. Like I was like, how do you guys even know this? You know, <laughs> yeah. and it just shows the magnitude and, and the fan base that not only Bruce and Bolo had, but just the martial arts world in general, yeah. you know, and it's, it's so cool. Yeah. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about Waco. Uh, that's a mini series on Paramount Network. How was it filming that? Anytime. I believe an actor has the ability or opportunity to play a real life character, especially someone who served in the U.S. military um, or is currently serving it is the ultimate honor. Uh, Waco is the second true life character that I played, and ironically, the second true life U.S. military character I played. I played James Suh and U.S. Navy SEAL and Lone Survivor, ironically, with Taylor Kitsch, who is the lead, who plays David Koresh in Waco um, as well. It, it's it's always a weird vibe. You're, 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 you're creating something that really happened. You're transforming into a character that really existed or is still living. How do you, how do you recreate something this special? I mean, there's, there's a certain energy on set. There's a creepiness because the sets, especially on Waco, we start with Ruby Ridge in Idaho, the incident there, and later move to the actual Waco compound that David Crush built with his Branch Davidians, both those places, when you see live footage, or if you recall seeing live footage on CNN back yeah. in 93 and 92 or whatever, they have the exact house, the exact cars, the exact clothes that's hanging on the drying rack, the exact swing set that's in front of the car. It is so weird because it is so real. You know, and, and to be on a live set like that with with the production team that we had and obviously our amazing director, John Dowdle and and, and our producer, Drew Dowdle, like they were awesome. Um, like I said, I worked with Taylor on Lone Survivor. We played U.S. Navy SEALs. Yep. We were both in great shape. And then to see Taylor in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where we filmed, I bumped into him at the gym. I could not. I thought it was David Koresh. He was so emaciated. He had the hair. He had this hoodie on. He was riding the bike. And I was, it was him. It was David Koresh, man. And I think they, I think casting and production did an excellent job in finding people that, you know, Michael Shannon is, 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 is breathtaking in this thing. And, 
you know, they got Melissa B. Noise from Supergirl to play David Crush's wife. Um, it, 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 casting did a phenomenal job, like yeah. to say the very least. Do you, um, I have some questions for you from Twitter. Uh, some people asked, like, do you have a, like a dream role? Like, what's your dream role to play? My dream role is, I mean, I've had two dreams now being in this one, you know, to, to do a huge blockbuster studio film, something like the Fast and the Furious, where there's part one, part two, part three, and it just keeps getting better, you know? And then the other dream is to be a lead on a network or cable t- television series. I've worked on Chicago PD. I've worked on Supergirl. I've worked on Rush Hour, Waco, and I've played so many different characters. I think the dream for me for network or cable television is just to play a character that traditionally has not been set aside for Asian men to be a leading man, whether that is a lawyer like Harvey Specter on suits, if that's a cop like Chris O'Donnell in CSLA, you know, or, or if it's just, it's just a husband or, 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 or the boyfriend, you know what I mean? That's, that's my dream, you know? And again, once you're in the industry, you start understanding other things like schedule. I would love just to have a consistent schedule knowing next year, you know, we're in season two, next year we're in season three, season four, whatever. And I'm working these months of the year, because if you're not in the industry, Every day is a new day, and you may not know what's going to happen this Friday or next Monday. You know what I mean? So for the mental part of the game, you know, for me personally, I just want to have consistency and a schedule. But the overall picture, you know, I want to play one of those characters that I was always searching for as a kid. Do you have a favorite character that you performed? Wow. Um, I think I'm currently doing it. Yeah as uh, via bolo in warrior because to me with all with all the stereotypes like i've mentioned about asian american leading men or the lack of and you know if this character is going to be for an asian man it's always a certain type of character i think universally and now globally speaking just because you know now that friends and family and fans have reached out from all over the world to me once they saw i got cast for bolo I realized that, you know, Bolo's fan base as being, you know, one of the most hyper masculine and just physically built. I mean, if everyone recalls, he was, he was the big buff Asian guy, you know, that was the warrior literally. And so to, to be able to represent that image, of course, you know, our director and executive producer, Justin Lin and our writer, Jonathan Tropper have both encouraged me to, to, we're going to tribute this character to the real Bolo, but you know, they, 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 both have definitely emphasized that they've that they cast me for Bolo because of me. So tribute to Bolo, but we want this character to be you as well. Um, I think that's that's such an honor and such a humbling experience for me as an actor because I'm representing one of the most legendary and known Asian characters in Hollywood, and he's not he's not your stereotypical Asian character. He's a buff. <laughs> physically fit martial art wise tremendously skilled and feared character Mm. and i get to go ahead with that foundation already set in place by the real bolo i get to then use that and have fun with it and make it mine yeah you know so i think to answer that question in a nutshell it it would be the current character i'm playing on warrior 
Um, so you did some commercials also, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little about that. Great. <laughs> yeah. It's a paycheck, right? Um, <laughs> commercials for those of us that don't know about the, the paychecks of commercials are the way to go. They're they're very limited filming days, and the payout is usually really really nice. So um, I, I've had I've had I've been fortunate to have done some commercials in my career so far, and they're always they're always great. Um, I've, I've done I've done one for Chase. I've done a McDonald's one. I've done a Motorola commercial back in the day. I've done some skincare commercials that have turned out to be fabulous, <laughs> residual wise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm always up for a commercial. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, they, uh, they redid kickboxer. Would you, if they were redid uh blood sport, would you jump on that? I would jump on that hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Blood, like we like we like we just talked about Bloodsport, yeah. one of the most iconic films in yep. the history of I think films. Uh, why wouldn't I want to be a part of exactly. that, especially yeah. now doing Warrior and yeah. you know that would that would that would be a story <laughs> to go from Bolo and the Warrior to hey they want you on Bloodsport the remake as Chung Lee that yeah. would that would be a story right there. Oh, yeah. But yes, definitely. definitely. Uh, so lastly, uh, tell us a, a bit about about uh, future projects that are coming up for you for 2018. Well, obviously, currently we have Waco that's yeah. premiering on the Paramount Networks channel, and we have five more weeks of this show leading up to the anniversary of the actual Waco event and the siege of the Waco compound. Um, I'm also recurring on NCIS Los Angeles. Just finished up another episode that will air in 2018 and hopefully more to come. And obviously the big one, which Warrior. would be Warrior, which I believe we're trying to premiere this late this year in 2018. Um as everything else in the business is, everything's up subject to change. Um, did also another independent feature uh, entitled Prisoner of Mine this past December, which hopefully will be coming out uh, later this spring. Uh, fabulous team, independent film, as I mentioned. Great, great director, great producers, great cast. Really proud of the work we did for that. Um, and, you know, like I, like I mentioned as well, the reason why I love this business is because you just never know what's going to happen next week <laughs> or tomorrow, right. you know? So that's, what's on the plate for now, which I am truly grateful and thankful for yeah. to the man above for all these opportunities. At the same time, hopefully there's a lot more to come. And uh, how can the listeners find you Twitter, Instagram? I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter all under the name rich Ting world. All right. And you also have a website, right? Yes, and people can also find me at www.richtingworld.com. All right. Uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, hopefully we get you back on here in mid-2018. We'll talk some more. Oh, it'd be awesome. I appreciate the time. This thanks was, again for having this, me on. This was a lot of fun, and uh, thanks for uh, talking about Bloodsport. Awesome.